I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to all you veterans listening. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for everything that you have done, everything that you raised your arm to the square and promised and swore an oath to do. I thank you so much for your willingness to serve on behalf of this country and protect the rights and freedoms that uh, folks like me get to enjoy each and every day. But we're going to spend a lot of time uh, on Veterans Day here today. I'll share some stories with you myself. And then in the second half of the program, into the 2 o'clock hour, I'm going to open the phone lines wide open. You and I will have a chance to chat, and you will have an opportunity to share uh, the thanks that you feel in your heart uh, in an uninterrupted sense, all right? Free airtime for you to give thanks to the veterans in your life uh, and uh, that is coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. To kick things off, though, uh, honored to be joined by Utah Senator Mitt Romney. Uh, Senator, sir, how are you? I'm just fine, thanks, Lee. And I, I want to underscore uh, my conviction that you're absolutely right to celebrate our veterans. We owe them a great debt of gratitude. What's the, uh, what's the feel in Washington today? I spent a number of years in Washington, and Veterans Day was always uh, special. How are, things, uh, how are things feeling as, as this day is celebrated there? Well, because of COVID, uh, group celebrations are pretty limited these days, and it happens to be a cold and rainy day in Washington, D.C. today. Uh, so not much happening out in the streets in terms of parades and so forth, but I think uh, people are uh, celebrating in their own mind the, uh, the great uh, sacrifice that was made by those who have fought and died for America's liberty. Very good. Uh, Senator Romney, we're going to get right into this. Uh, You've made it known that you did not vote for uh, President Trump. You've been asked numerous times for whom you voted instead, and you've kept that to yourself. So I won't pester you with that question again. But I will ask you this. Does your decision not to vote for President Trump equate to a desire to see him as only a one-term president? Well, uh, I I indicated back when he ran in 2016 that I thought the comments he'd made with regards to women— uh, and uh, with regards to racial issues, uh, disqualified him to, in terms of receiving my support. Uh, and as you know, um, uh, I was one of those who was convinced uh, without uh, any doubt that, that he did intend to put pressure on a foreign government to interfere in our election. So uh, those things come together to suggest that this is not somebody who I would support. That being said, I am a very strong, uh, if you will, Utah conservative. And I say Utah conservative because uh, conservative means different things to different people. But I believe in balancing the budget. I believe in showing American strength internationally such that we can promote freedom and democracy. Uh, I believe that uh, we need to improve our immigration laws to make sure that people don't come here illegally. But we welcome those who come here legally. So uh, I, I will fight for conservative principles, whether it's President Trump or uh, President-elect Biden. 
Uh, on yesterday's program, we spent some time talking through one of the more obscure responsibilities of the General Services Administration, uh, you know, the GSA, not uh, not an administration that is often discussed, but it does at these times in the midst of presidential elections and uh, in, in the aftermath of those has a very specific duty, and it is to declare ascertainment, which makes available to uh, an apparent presidential successor resources like money and office space support, even access to to the president's daily brief. And while not technically a concession, it would signal a certain level of acceptance on the part of the Trump administration that Joe Biden is likely to be sworn in come January 20th. Now, that uh, declaration has not yet been made. Those resources uh, are not yet uh, available to uh, President-elect Joe Biden. Uh, do, do you think the delay on the part of the GSA is appropriate? I don't think it's appropriate. Uh, I think uh, given the the likelihood that uh, President-elect Biden will be sworn in as the next president, it's very much in our national interest uh, to have uh, a transition that's as smooth and effective as possible. I saw that uh, Governor Mike Levitt, uh, along with others uh, associated with this uh, transition uh, effort, uh, have, have called on the GSA to take action to uh, allow the, the Biden team to get that kind of information they might need. Look, it's it's important for us not to have the ball, um, you know, you know, fall between the cracks, if you will, uh, and to keep things operating smoothly. And and if there's some probability of of the election being overturned, why so be it. But uh, given the fact that we've got a pretty good shot that there's going to be a new president, let's get him up to speed so we don't make any mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you talk not in terms of absolute, but rather a pretty good shot. How do you respond generally to these ongoing challenges to to elections across the country? Uh, you know, I haven't seen any evidence, nor has there been any evidence presented um, in our meetings in Washington that suggests that the vote uh, is going to be reversed or that there were there were sufficient irregularities to result in a different outcome. I think it's highly unlikely uh, that there will be a different outcome. And I know there will always be conspiracy theories of, of, of grand uh uh, uh, efforts to, uh, to, to you know, undermine the election and to steal the election. But let me tell you, if the Democrats were able to do to do that, why it would be the greatest covert um, mission uh, ever accomplished. Uh, and it's just it's just not reality. And, uh, and it's almost certain that uh, uh, that what irregularities there are will not be of a sufficient number to change the outcome. Understood. Uh, let's sh- shift over to the, the Senate, the upper chamber where you do work daily. You voted yesterday along with all other Senate Republicans, to retain Mitch McConnell as your leader. Now, should should Georgia go the way of the Republicans and Biden is sworn in on January 20th? What do you predict the relationship to be between the White House and the Senate? McConnell and Biden have known each other for decades. They've worked together, uh, and yet so, too, they have found themselves at serious odds. What does your crystal ball tell you? Well, it tells me that, that I uh, and Mitch McConnell and my Republican colleagues are not going to surrender our conservative principles uh, just because there's a Democrat president. Uh, we'll keep fighting to uh, preserve those values that we think are critical for the country. And uh, a, a, a President Biden, my guess is, is going to, in some respects, welcome that. I don't think he wants to uh, be pulled to the left by uh, you know Chuck Schumer and AOC. Uh, you know, I think he prefer to have a course which is more bipartisan. You know, after all, he said in his first speech that he wanted to bring America together. Well, you're not going to bring America together if you try and promote the Green New Deal or Medicare for all or big tax hikes uh, or you try and get rid of coal and gas and, and oil. 
So so maybe it would be a blessing in disguise for Joe Biden if, in fact, we Republicans are able to keep the majority in the Senate. Uh, and and what gets done is done on a bipartisan basis, which, frankly, is the best way to go, because then you don't have policy shifting every time there's a new election. Right. Do, do, do you more on that? Do you, do you interpret the results thus far uh, declared across the country right now as sort of a mandate from the American voter to uh, to govern from more so in the middle? Uh, you, you think about the down ballot races, you think of the House seats that have been picked up by Republicans, the uh, likelihood that the Senate will retain Republican control. Have Americans spoken this election by saying that we'd like uh, we'd like government to come more from the middle than the extremes? It's hard for me to characterize what each voter might have been saying, but but even given that caveat, I, I think that the presidential election had a very significant dose of, of if you will, personal assessment. Uh, it was a matter of, of deciding which person you wanted to be president, whereas I think when you look at the congressional races in both the House and the Senate, people were thinking of policy, and by and large, they're rejecting the the left-wing policies that – uh, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, Bernie Sanders, uh, Chuck Schumer have been promoting. They, I, America is still a center-right uh, country, and I think that's what uh, what the voters said. Very good. Uh, one last question. It's an annoying one. I apologize in advance. There have been speculators and rumor mongers and talking heads, myself included, wondering about the future of Senator Mitt Romney. There is much precedent set in cross-party cabinet-level appointments. Are there any scenarios in which you would accept or even consider a cabinet position in the Biden administration? Yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) I've had no communication uh, with uh, Biden or his team. Uh, and uh, and that that's that's simply not in the cards. Uh, I there was a story in a uh, newspaper in Buffalo, New York, that I was going to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and I pointed out not only would that be uh, absurd, but I would never take a job following in the footsteps of Mike Levitt. He was the uh, the master <laughs> at that job, and I would not want to be in a position where I couldn't measure up. Well, I, this notion first came to my attention that there was speculation from a law firm and a lobbying firm out of Washington, D.C. They had put together a short list of possible bipartisan uh, or cross-party secretaries of state. Uh, your name w- was on that list. You wouldn't even consider a secretary of state position? Let me tell you, the Biden administration would not consider me for that position. So <laughs> we don't we don't need to worry about that. That's I, I'm not going to be part of the Biden administration. I, I'm going to continue to represent Utah as our senator. All right. We'll leave it at that. Senator Mitt Romney, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for humoring my questions. Uh, and best of luck you there in Washington. Thanks, Lee. All the best to you. All righty. Uh, well, there you have it. Uh, we're not going to be seeing a Mitt Romney in the Biden administration. You heard it from the senator himself. We're going to take a break right now. And while we won't see, according to the senator, we won't see Mitt Romney in a Biden administration, there may be another Utah on the short list, a name you likely recognize, Lily Eskelson Garcia, possible selection for Secretary of Education. Who is she and why does she fit the mold? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees 
who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.